verses 1 through 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light, and that was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory and the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Father, we thank you for this morning, Lord, that you are allowing us to be able to gather here in your name. And we only want to gather here in your name, Lord, to please you in all the things that we say and sing as we lift our voices to you. Our prayers to be like incense, sweet-smelling aroma to you. And as we open up your word, we know only that we need your Holy Spirit to move in a mighty way to illuminate your word to your hearts of the listeners here this morning. And those online, we welcome all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's in your precious name we pray these things. Amen. You may be seated. Happy New Year to all of you. Praise the Lord. Hey, as you're getting settled in, we are picking right back up where we left off. It feels like forever. Uh, We're going to be finishing up 2 Peter at the end of the last chapter there, chapter 3. We're going to take verses 10 through 18. Now, as we're getting settled in, just know that we have a couple of announcements. We always have a few announcements. It is just a few. Everything kind of finished up here. Uh, I don't know about you, but Christmas was not the way we had planned it. We The full service the, that night, and then, of course, Christmas morning, and everybody's like, you know, we had to go online only, which, which is, thank God for technology, I, you know, I, Heard from many from the fact that they were happy that that was able to happen. But it's good to be here in person with you. I, and there's nothing like being with, into the fellowship here together. But keep a note here, uh, the winter concerts are coming up for CareNet that we support here through this church, both the uh, people who actually serve there, but through also through your ties and gifts and offers goes to CareNet support. And they have their winter concert January 12th and the 13th at two different locations, um, in one in Watertown and one in Loudville. So make sure you grab your flyer uh, and plan for that to, to support them. What a great great ministry and what God is doing in and through them. Also, uh, ladies, yes, your, your Bible study will be starting back up uh, somewhere at the end of February, 1st of uh, March.
March, we get through the winter time. It's a little difficult with the, you know, the travel, so we just take that break. But men, get your plows on, do what you need to do. You're going to get here Thursday nights, 6.30. We don't give up. We just keep going. So, uh, and when you're here, bring your shovel. You might have to shovel as you come in and go. But we're, we're going to get in here and have our studies here at 6.30. Uh, here at the Covered Chapels. And then uh, lastly, if you have any prayer requests uh, out there on the information desk, please just fill out a card, put it in one of the uh, bird houses uh, that we use for our tithes, gifts, and offerings as too. Again, if you're here for the first time, we don't collect. You freely give to the Lord as the Lord leaves you. And so we don't do collection here, but, uh, um, but the little bird houses are out there and you just put your information in there. But if you're here for the very first time, we welcome you in the Lord Jesus Christ. Happy you're here and be able to, as brothers and sisters gather together, you realize you're just a bigger church, right? It's just so many of us are coming and going and visiting, especially the holidays. It's just beautiful to meet family uh, and, uh, and that uh, we, you only come on the holidays. And so it's just we welcome you and pray for your safe travels back home, wherever that may be. With that said, hey, I just let you, let's open up your word. Grab your Bibles. If you've got your Bible, there's usually a Bible right there in the back of the pew. Um, I'm going to probably be the first one to tell you here, and you'll be the first one still here. Um, we are, as we planned, um, January, February, March, the, we did a lot of things exterior to improve the building that the Lord has given us. Now we're going to improve the interior uh, as the next phase. The bathrooms and the sanctuaries are next things. The chairs have been ordered. Yes, these pews, unfortunately, uh, out of the decisions of not padding them versus making new pews with pads, um, we came out, it would just be more cost effective uh, from a financial, but also logistically uh, going to chairs. Those chairs will be arriving, Lord willing. <laughs> I'm not going to give a date because you know how it is, logistics. But, um, but as much as I love these pews and I really like the feel of pews, uh, we just realized that uh, they're falling apart because these are early 1900s. Uh, so there's lots of nails and all kinds of things. You'll see them splitting. And so don't get any, uh, any slivers. Um, but um, anyway, I, I won't be dragging that on. But anyway, we're going to look at the carpet. There's lighting is changing. Some of the other things that we're going to be improving some uh, minor things, but it'll be a significant enough. So that's our January, February, March projects interior. Uh, we did a lot of exteriors, so pray for that, please. And again, w there's a ministry called Fathers Builders, so we do the work. <laughs> so you get to partake in, in the opportunity. If you've never uh, laid carpet, it's time for you to come and let some men who know how to do it to teach you how to do it. And put rock in, in certain places and change out things and lighting. We have electricians. If you've never done electricity, we want to teach you. I don't handle serpents. I don't touch electricity, but others love to handle serpents, so I don't. Anyway, I'm, I'm rambling here. Let's just get into the Word. Father, we again thank you for, as we can gather together in your provision for us and the opportunity to be in a building that you've given us, uh, to bring your church into this building to be able to worship you and to praise you and honor you and glorify you. And we want to do the same, Lord, as we open up your Word. Speak to our hearts, Lord. Yes, convict us where we need to be convicted. Encourage us where we need to be encouraged. But let us be, have ears that are open and hearts that are soft and prepared to receive what you have for us in and through your word and by the power of your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to start with asking you a question. 
And what are you looking forward to in 2023? It's always a question that we always ponder maybe the day before or actually on the day. And that's when people make resolutions and they make promises and they reflect on the 2022 and say, oh, I didn't, get, I didn't do what I was wanting to do so desperately. I know I wanted to do those things. And yes, I did to do those things. I wish I never did do those things. But you know, there's always kinds of reflections of what happens in your mind. And that is between you and the Lord as you seek him. And I do pray that that you find that time of praying and fasting and where you find that time to, to settle with the Lord about the things that he wants you to do for him in the future. What things need to change according to his will and purpose. And that is what I want to encourage you, brothers and sisters. Don't let the world tell you what you should do. Don't let others in, who have great intentions for you want you to do. I need you to hear the Lord to speak to you of what he wants you to do. And when you know that you're in his will, there's nothing better of the joy and the peace that you'll experience being in his will. And it may take time to do that. So just get rid of the distractions. Find that little space in your house that you read and go to every morning. And you spend time with him and reading and basking in his presence of, and listening to him. Find that place. And if you're like, oh, I don't even know what you're talking about, Pastor, then you need to come see me because I want to help you to understand the importance of spending daily time with your Lord. To hear from him. He has so much he wants to, to speak to you about. And he does that through his word. He does that through the time you're communing with him. And as we see here, looking forward into 2023, we finish up here in 2 Peter chapter 3. We're going to take verses 10 through 18. And as we take a look at this, I'm going to take your eyes back to eight, verses 8 and 9 first. Where it says, Beloved, do not forget this one thing. That with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. As some count slackness, but, in, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Oh, the promises in the heart of what we see from God that everyone he has created, he wants to come to repentance and have this personal relationship with them. That there would be no gap, no boundary, nothing separating that relationship which we call sin or transgressions. We want nothing that would separate that relationship with God. And that's what does separate one from God. And that is an unrepentant heart. And so we see here, Peter, is, as we were left off a few weeks ago here, in the fact that that's the heart of God. And we see in verse 10, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat, but the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. So we hear just, in, just transitioning now in the very verse 10 here of chapter 3, we see that though the Lord's long-suffering and love for the lost is there, he has a heart for all people. And he wants to reach every lost individual. It makes it seem that perhaps his delay in coming back and taking us all to heaven, to home, it, it, there's this delay in his coming that the truth is somehow, is he, is he coming or not? 
in the struggles that people have in those days and still today, and in their belief or unbelief of the fact that God is going to take us to heaven, that the day of the Lord will come. It's not a question if. It's only a question when. And so we need to get that settled here and going into this, looking forward into the new year, that we draw closer every day. Each year we draw closer to the day when the day of the Lord will come. And we see that Peter says it's going to be like a thief in the night. It's going to be in a, such a way that it'll be such a surprise for so many. And, but it's a, at the same time, a catastrophic moment for so many. It's like a thief breaking into your house. It will, it's, never, it's never a pre-warned uh, scheduled time. Hi, I'm, I'm a thief, uh, thief John, or let me not use names. Uh, <laughs> <clears throat> Hi, I'm a thief, and I'm about to break into your home. I was watching your Amazons coming. I know you have a load in that house. There's no question in my mind. I see the FedEx. I see, I see UPS. I know these drivers, and I know where they go. And you must be filled. Just want to know, I want to schedule a time so that when you're gone, it's not a big issue. And it'll be a nice surprise. Just pretend I'm not calling you. you know, no, no, that's not what is happening here. God says that it's going to happen. It's not a question if, it's only when. But it will be in a way that you cannot control or predict. That means... As a believer, God has set it up so that you are always ready, just in case. That as a believer, you're ready for the Lord, perhaps today. I woke up, I'm like, oh, Lord, maybe perhaps today. Do you have that set of heart? Is that your mindset? Or do you wake up and say, ooh, I've got my castle I'm still building. Oh, I've got big plans. Oh, I've got things I am going to accomplish. My bucket list for 2023, I'm going to redo my bucket list and all these things. But please, my brother says, make sure whatever you have on your bucket list is what God has shown you to put in the bucket. Because if you take on things that God has not called you to do, it becomes a burden for you for that 2023. Not a joy, not a peace. You'll be burdened because you're taking on things that God has not called you to do according to his plan for your life are you with me i'm just gonna make it real because if you don't understand that god can come back at any moment it says the day of the lord is like a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away in the future things are all going to change So if you think you know and control what's going on in the world today and all your plans and schedules and all that thing, I know you, some of you controllers, I I know, I got you. Things are going to change. Don't you want to be, if you're going to change, don't you want to be in the change of the change maker? Don't you want to be the one who's actually in control and making the change? Don't you want to be in flow with the Spirit of God? Where the Spirit moves, we move with them. That's our philosophy here at Calvary Chapel. We don't create programs. We don't create things. We don't look for things to do. We just watch and see what the Spirit of God is doing. Then we just join what the Spirit's doing. And when the Spirit doesn't do it anymore, He says, stop, we stop. We don't sit there and say, what is tradition? 
This is what we've always done. This is all what? No, 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 no. If it lines up with the word of God and the Spirit, we just go with what the Spirit shows us. Because the heavens will pass away with great noise and the elements, whatever those elements are of the universe, all the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and all its ways, all its works, all the things that are going on in this earth is just going to go away. All things are going to be reset. And don't call it climate change. I have no problem when people say it's going to be a climate change. Oh, you have no idea. Let me show you the scriptures how hot it's going to get. I have no problems having that conversation. It will all burn up. And there's nothing that you can do, even run to Mars, is going to save you. Because Mars is part of the elements of this universe that is going to all change. See, when people have these, when man starts thinking they are in control and they can control these things, they don't know the scripture. They don't know the scripture. Just take them back to the scripture in a loving and kind and gentle way so they can read the truths of God. They, can, they may not believe it, but you believe it. Do you not? Hello? Do you not believe the word of God in, in its totality? It's his words, regardless of how you feel. Now, Jesus makes a similar understanding or communication in Matthew 24, verses 42 to 44, and also repeated by others in 1 Thessalonians 5, 2, and Revelation 3, 3, and Revelation 16, 15. Talking about this thief in the night, this quickness, this suddenness, it's going to be, everything's going to change. The day of the Lord. The day of the Lord describes the end time events between the rapture and the the culminate of the commencement of eternity. That is the day of the Lord is referred to in the scriptures. And we have to understand all true Christians believe that Jesus Christ is coming again. If you don't believe Jesus is coming back, don't call yourself a Christian, please. Because it's truth. It's doctrinal. It's in the scriptures. It's truth. So you must, as a believer, as true Christians, understand that Jesus Christ is coming again. And they may differ. We may differ as Christians in our views of when certain promised events will occur. That shouldn't cause division. It just means we have different views. But they all agree, we all agree, that he is returning as he promised in the word of God. That's where we just need to settle with that. Also, all Christians agree that this faith in the future glory ought to motivate the church. We should be very motivated by, as a church to do what God's called us to do because he's coming back for us. To live a life that, is, uh, 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 that brings glory to him, that honors him, that reflects that you are truly a child of God. Because there's nothing worse than a child that is rebellious against the family. That goes against the parents. That goes against the authority of of, of that family. That's not how we behave in our family. That's not who we are. But as a Christian, we should think of that understanding. We do not act like the world. We used to. We are part of the world. But we have been brought out of that world. Do you understand that? We've been brought out. 
We're to live differently now. And so when we take a look at this, this ultimate result of his coming, we'll have this total transformation of this present world. He refers to it as which the heavens will pass away with great noise and the elements with melt with fervent heat. It is not going to be a quiet moment. See, God could have destroyed the earth again. He didn't have to, after the flood, he could have done it again. He could have done it just like in the days of flood. There's enough water on this earth, he could have flooded this entire earth again. Because the iniquity or the wickedness is enough to persuade God just like in the days of Noah. And we know what the scripture says, he's coming back when? When you see these things like what? The days of Noah. So he could have destroyed that, but he chose not to, and he gave us a promise as not to flood this world again. But he did not say he was never going to judge the world again. He says he's going to do it this time. He will deal with the world with fire and not flooding. So this catastrophic fire at the end of the millennium, the heavens, the earth's atmosphere, the starry sky, not God's home, will disappear with a roar which is some way will involve a fire. We see that clearly in 2 Peter 3, 7 and, and obviously in verse 12 when we get to it. Now in verse 11, we say, then we see a transition. Therefore, since all these things will be destroyed or dissolved, what manner of person ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? So you know with anticipation that this was going to happen. Knowing all these things will be, will be dissolved. All of the things you see right now that you think are absolutes and will never change. Now becomes an understanding by the scripture. That all of this will happen. What manner of person are you going to be? What is your behavior should be like? Are you going to choose to live that holy conduct, that godliness that God expects of you as a child of God? Or do you think you can just live however you want to live and God will just accept me because it's, he's love. He is love, but he's also a just God. So you have to finish the, the, the whole thought there. Our God is a loving God and a just God. See, most people in today just don't like to talk about the just God. They only want to talk about the love of God. And then there's some, don't get me wrong, there's some who never really talk about the love. You, you never experience the love of God coming around because they're all fixated on the just God, the law God, the one that's driven by the law, not the grace. Some emphasize the grace, but not the law. The just God. But you have to understand, that's who our God is. He's loving and just. So there's going to be a time where God is expecting, Peter sees that all these strong motivational expectations of the fact that things are going to change, that God is coming back, should provoke you and I to a holy living. That means in the mind, 
as well as what you, pr- pr- you, you display to the world. Let me challenge you, my brothers and sisters. Your thought life, your inner life, your inner house life should not be different than your outward that you allow other people to see. It should be the same. Don't be playing here. The facades that we see in the scriptures, is God sees through all of that. You may fool others of your Christianity veneer, but you're rotting inside. It's only in our time it will come out. So that's why he's challenging us in light of the fact that this world order is going to change. Things are associated with it will be dissolved. We should live our lives seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What does that mean? That means that we are having holy conduct and godliness in our life. We're supposed to be pursuing that, practicing that, and making change and seeking. Oh, Lord, that was not godly. That that was not a a holy conduct in that moment. I need to change on that. And, 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 And you should be very sensitive to the Spirit of God, letting you know that you were very, very strong with your words, and you couldn't have you could have said it a little bit more lovingly. That thought that, oh, my coworker, I'm going to take his head off if he does that one more time. That is not godly. Do you know that? Do you know that's not holy conduct? Even in your thought, no one else heard it, but God heard it. Because we know what the scripture says. It starts with the mind. And if you think it, if opportunity comes, and when those, those two things cross, watch out. It will come out in the light. So be very, very careful. Stop it now. Before the the birds are circling over you, don't let them nest in your hair. Just swat those things away so they don't nest in your head. Because if they nest in your head, it's only about time they're going to (laughs) lay. They're going to lay an egg that's a goose egg that's not going to be good for you. So just get that thought under control before that bird sets in. That's what we need to do. Bring every thought under captivity. Focus on what is pure and right and good and noble and just and praiseworthy. That is what we're to ponder on. So when things go squirrely in your head, the squirrels start going around, you just say, oh, no, 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 no. Let me focus on what is good and right and praiseworthy. Because I can't ponder on that. So we're to live. Holy lies means Christian separation and sanctification apart from the world. But toward God. Everything is directed toward. It's a father filter. We need to have biblical eyes on, the glasses of the biblical view of of what's going on in the world because the reality is we live in this world. And you can't escape it because you work there and God has planted you there. So it's not a mistake that he has you where you're at, but he wants you to be a light and salt in that location, not to just be hidden and keeping your light under a basket. Your conduct and what you don't say speaks louder than what you're sitting there opening your Bible and say, everybody at work, let me listen, let me quote you the script. No, 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 you don't do that. You just, it's what you don't talk about. You don't gossip. You don't do these things. You're kind and you're gentle and you're loving, but you're, you're abs- absolutely devoted to doing great work in, re- in representing God well as that employee. 
or as a neighbor, you're a great neighbor, you're a supportive neighbor. They may be throwing garbage over their fence on your side, but you go pick it up and you pray for them and pray for whatever you want and then find some way to encourage them and to show love back instead. How you respond. What do, you, what do you think and ponder? These are the things that we're talking about in holy conduct and, and, and godliness. This is not just about going to church and act a certain way. Are you kidding me? We're talking how you do life. 24-7. Wherever you go on vacations or when you're by yourself or we're on many. Because remember, you think you're by yourself. But you're never by yourself as a Christian. The Spirit of God lives within you. God is always present with you. And when you remember that and you believe that, it will change your conduct. It will change how you think and feel and respond that is not lined up with godliness and holy living. This is what Peter's talking about. It's a manner of the person. It should, all, it should drive you and I to desire to live a holy life. A desire to represent God in a holy way. Scoffers that we talked about in the beginning of chapter 3. Scoffers question the Lord's coming. Even though they hear that there's a guaranteed judgment if they don't repent. And they're not safe. There's going to be judgment. But that doesn't change them. It doesn't change your conduct. They still lead ungodly lives. By contrast, Jesus' followers, you and I, are anticipating, looking forward to his return. And that is what drives us to live godly lives. I think it's a great mistake when Christians say, ah, God is never going to come back. You're you're one of the ones that Peter's referring to in his letters in 1 and 2 Peter. You cannot live and think that way, that God is not going to return just because he hasn't returned, because he's long-suffering. Can you imagine if he returned five years ago or a month ago or ten years ago before you got saved? Aren't you thankful for his long-suffering, that he gave you a chance to give your life to him? and to be regenerated, born again before he came back, or you would have been in hell. Because as a non-believer, we're going to hell. But then God came to you. He personally, in body, came to you to reach you. To die for you. To pay your debt for that sin and that cross for you. To make a way for you. To be born again. Spiritually. And to have a relationship with our Heavenly Father. To become a child of God. To make you kings and priests. To reign with Him for eternity. All the promises that He's given to you. And He says... It's a free gift. It's called grace. It's, it's free. The gift of salvation. You just choose to accept and trust in my finished work. And the Spirit of God speaks to you. He knocks at the door of your heart. How does he do that? 
by speaking to you through his word, by talking to you, share, revealing himself to you. question is, did you respond and open up your heart to allow him to come in? I truly hope all of you have. Because this is what we're talking about. Because if you're not born again, then you're not looking forward to God's return. You're looking forward to trying to achieve more of worldly things. Trying to make more of a worldly stature, a bigger castle, more prominent bank account, more of this and more of that. No, 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 no. If God blesses you in that way, that's because he is doing that work. And you're shocked just as much as anybody else that his God has blessed you in that abundance. But, but that comes with an expectation. That comes with responsibility that you give out more to what he's providing to you. We tend to think that the world is more enduring and will last longer than people. Yeah, people come and go, but the world will always be. You don't know the scriptures. That's not true. People are going to last longer than this world. This, this is the, Peter reminds us of the people will live into eternity longer than this earth and the universe. That's all going to be recreated. The people, you and I. And because we realize that the world and its ways will be dissolved and even the very elements will be dis disintegrated in, in front of those who see it. We fix our hope not on anything of this world, only on the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the only place we place our hope in. Is Him. Because we do not know the day or the hour of our Lord's return, we must constantly be ready. We must be ready. The believer who starts to neglect the blessed hope that we see in Titus 2.13 will gradually develop a cold heart, a worldly attitude, an unfaithful life that we see in Luke 12, verses 35 through 48. That will happen. It's a spiral down. You may have started well. You love the Lord. You serve the Lord. You just wanted nothing but the Lord. You wanted more and a deeper relationship. And you got caught up in the world and the things and the cares of this world and all of the lust of it that the scripture talks about. And you just start spiraling down. Eventually, your heart is just cold. You're cold to the things of God. You're cold to the people, the God's people. You're cold to anything of serving or giving or any. You're just cold. Because you've gotten the world attitude. The world attitude is not loving. Do you understand that? They may make songs once in a while that talks about the joy of the Lord and joy to the world. It happens maybe. But it's not the same that we're talking about in the scripture. And the world is very unfaithful. We're into lawlessness at the highest of levels across all of the world. If you don't see that, I know you do. If you have the Spirit of God, you see these things. When you see these things, look up. Because I draw near. He's telling us. He's, he loves us so much, he's giving us warnings. Over 2,000 years. 
He's giving us warning. Look up when you see these things. I'm telling you, my brothers and sisters, I wish 2022 was the worst of the years. After 20 and 21, you thought it couldn't get any worse and 22 came along. I'm telling you, I don't believe 2023 is going to be better. I, I, I know that's... Ha- Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. But I'm just, I'm just preparing you because if you know the scriptures, you realize we're spiraling down. We are. I want to encourage you. We have nothing to fear. We have nothing to fear. Be strong of good courage because we know what that means for you and I. We're going home. This vacation has gone bad. But we're going home. Are you excited? I don't know. Are you excited? Because I'm excited. See, if we're not careful, if we're not careful, we become scoffers that Peter talked about. You'll start scoffing at other Christians as a Christian. You'll start scoffing and laughing at the promises of Christ's coming. You'll laugh off the rapture. You'll laugh off the second coming. You'll laugh off these things, even as a professed Christian. But this expectant attitude ought to make a difference in a personal conduct when you realize that God is coming back. And because we have escaped the corruption of this world that Peter talked about in chapter 1, verse 4, we must live differently among the people of the world. We must live differently. But let me give you words of warning on this. The scoffers we should behave should come across to them like foreigners. Like, you're different. Why are you different? Where are you from? And they're trying to figure you out because there's something different about you and they can't put their finger on. They just know that your conduct, the way you behave and the way you communicate is different. Why? Because this world is not our home. We are strangers and pilgrims, 1 Peter 2, 11 talks about. We're headed to a better place in the, than this, what this world can offer. We're going to an eternal city of God. But let me give you a warning, my brothers and sisters. This drives me crazy. Christians should be different, yes, but not odd. Different attracts people. Being odd repels people. Please don't be odd. It's hard to evangelize when you're odd. But don't think that you can act and speak like the world and that is going to reach people. Again, another crazy thing for me. When a church starts wanting to look like the culture act like the culture, speak like the culture, behave like the culture, and think that is what is going to reach the lost, they've been bewitched, as the scripture talks about. And if you need me to show you all those scriptures, I'm happy to sit down with you to show that to you. Do you understand that? You are to be different, not odd. And so when we look at that, 
And we're looking, looking forward and, and looking forward into how what is going to be our focus. Our conduct should be characterized by holiness and godliness that we see in verses 15 and 16 of chapter 1 of 1 Peter. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in your conduct because it is written, be holy for I am holy. And that's pretty simple. The kids in the grades in, in the classes over there understand that. Do you know that? I'm hoping adults will get along and understand that eventually. But they understand that. Be holy for I am holy. Model me. Act like me. Think like me. Respond like me. That's what God is saying to us. How do we know that? How do we learn that? By reading of the word of God. Letting the Spirit of God work in through you. And we see our manner of living, our holy conduct and, and godliness will cause you and I to be what? In verse 12, looking for and hasting the coming of the day of God because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire and the elements of the, uh, will, of the elements will melt with fervent heat. See, Peter says here, there is a sense that in which we can hasten the Lord's coming. What? I thought God's sovereign. Yes, he is. But how can we hasten God, God's coming? It's remarkable to think that we can actually do things that will affect the return of Jesus. But if you look at the immediate context here, Peter says that we hasten the Lord coming by our holy conduct and godliness. How do we do that? Well, we can also hasten the Lord's coming through evangelism. Paul said that God's prophetic focus on Israel will resume when the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. Romans eleven twenty five. 25. We want to evangelize because that last person to be saved, that fullness of the Gentiles has come, we're out of here. So what do you think the enemy is going to do? Cause God's people not to reach the loss. I want to go evangelize, you say. But I just can't. It seems like something's always stopping me and I can't get the words. It just never seems to happen. I've given up. No, 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 no. Please don't. Trust the Holy Spirit to do the work through you. Don't rely on your own flesh and your own knowledge to do this. God wants you to reach the lost. And he's brought you in the places where you work, places where you live, the people in the social circles that you go around. He's used, going to use you to share the truths of God through just a natural way. And let the Spirit of God do the work. But we need to evangelize because we want to hasten. We want God to come back sooner, not later. We also can hasten the Lord's coming through prayer. We can pray as Jesus taught us, thy kingdom come, Matthew 6.10. Even Daniel, perfect example, asked for a speedy fulfillment of prophecy regarding the captive uh, Israel in Daniel 9. We can also pray, even so, come Lord Jesus. We see in Revelation 22, 20. Oh, even come so, Lord Jesus. I don't know about you, but I want Jesus to come back soon. 
and because of which the heavens will dissolve. I mean, this is a major change of everything Peter's talking about. In Isaiah 65, uh, 17 says, Behold, I create a new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered or come to mind. So many people today get to, who never read the Old Testament because they don't need to read the Old Testament, it's all twisted again. It's just the enemy getting people not to know the whole counsel of God. So they focus on just the New Testament, and they go, it's not doesn't speak about that in the Old Testament. Why well, read it? Isaiah speaks of it. It's all the way through. It's one story. It's one book. Don't get wrapped up in the 66 individual books. Understand it's all God's word. These are the things that the enemy will get in there and these false teachers and false prophets will get in there and try to, these little vignettes, the little click-ons, the little, the little traps. Oh, look at that little picture. Oh, it looks, oh, I think it's godly. Let me click on it. And it's a trap. It's taking you off into some false teaching. It's incredible. You got to watch these things in the new year. Stop clicking on those things. Because that's how the enemy gets in there and plants seeds that are just not healthy for you. You stay in the word of God. Keep reading. Trust the Holy Spirit to teach you all things as he says he will. You don't need to listen to hype up, heap up a bunch of teachers. Just find someone who's teaching you verse by verse. To help you understand the word of God. Not snippets. Not their favorite little things and, 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 and jokes. It's, everything's in context. Everything is understandable and, and you can follow. When you walk away, you're looking at the word of God and going, well, I thought God just spoke to me. You don't hear, need to hear what I ate for dinner. Or my vacations. Or ride in on a Harley. That is not going to change your life. The word of God is the only thing that's going to transform your life. And that's why I need to encourage you. Especially in 2023. Read through the whole Bible in one year. We have a seven day plan out there. It's working for everyone who's willing to do it. has been reading through the word of God in one year. It's changing their lives. The knowledge of God is coming in. And the Spirit of God is helping you to apply it, to live it, not just know it. Satan knows who God is and even knows the words. We need you to apply it through evangelism, through your prayers. And that's why in verse 13, nevertheless, we, according to his promise, Look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. That is what we now look forward to. All these things are going on nevertheless. Nevertheless. We're going to be very focused on his promise. And that promise is that he is going to come back and he's going to recreate a new heavens and a new earth. Did you know that? Hello? If you're waking up now, this is the time you want to wake up because here we come into the final end here, right? I'm just getting started. You know, I, I, I've been gone for a couple of weeks, right? It's, sitting there teaching from home is not the same as being here. You do know that. I told everyone last night in our service last night, I said, I get to teach from 6.30 until midnight, right, to bring in the new year? No one said no. I, I didn't. <laughs> Nevertheless, we see that the old cosmic system will be give away to a new heaven and a new earth, and this is what believers are looking forward to. We're looking forward to it. 
The most glorious characteristic of this new heaven and this new earth is that it is a place in which righteousness dwells. Can you imagine we're going to live in a life there's righteousness dwells, not lawlessness dwelling. I know it's hard for you to imagine because our whole lives has been in nothing and nothing but chaos and absolute lawlessness. Some people say, Pastor, I, I don't know about having children. Is it even, even safe to have? I mean, how, what is this? Are children going to grow up? No, no, no. Understand the scriptures. Raise your children according to the ways of God. They're going to look forward to the righteousness, the, the new world, the new everything is going to be new. Don't be afraid to have children. God is in control. It's going to be glorious. We're going to see that God's plan of, age, of the ages is going to happen in the millennial earth and will rule with, by Jesus Christ. We see that promise in Revelation 21.1. That's why Peter says again in verse 14, Therefore, beloved, look fo looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found in, by him in peace without spot or blameless. And consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. As also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you. Oh, it's interesting. We see Peter's writing this letter, but then he introduces Paul and, his, and the writing that God used Paul to do. And he brings this in into this conversation here in verses 14 and 15. To show that one's behavior is linked to his expectations of the Lord's coming. Did you get that? If you don't believe in and think about the fact that the Lord's coming back, your conduct, your behavior as a Christian will not be lined up with the scripture is what it's saying. That was a little bit of a hush, huh? Did, that, did the spirit sink that in for you? That's how important this is about God coming back. Because if you don't ponder the fact that God's coming back for you, and that doesn't spur up joy and just peace, and oh, whoo, can't wait. Your behavior is not going to line up. You're going to start spiraling down and get caught up into the things of this world. That's why he says to us, be diligent to be found by him. When he comes back, he finds you diligently seeking him. Desiring for him to come back for you. you that's what, what better place to be? To Lord find you diligently looking for him to return when he does. In peace. Not, in, not stressed out. Not depressed and oppressed and depressed and <laughs> all the pressings. Right? I understand that because the scripture talks about you can be pressed on all sides. That's reality in this world. The world tries to press you in every direction. But you and I have the spirit of God to not allow that to press us. It says be anxious for little. No, be anxious for nothing. That means with God you will not have to be anxious for nothing. Grab a hold of that promise for some of you. 
With God, you can be anxious for nothing. So that's why we look forward to these things. Be diligent. Our hearts are really set on the glory of the new heaven, the new earth, being with God and being with him and godly regarding of the brothers and sisters as we dwell together here and in heaven. It'll be such peace dwelling together with one another. We'll be in such regard to God. We'll be without spot and we'll be blameless. See, believers are to make it their business to be morally clean like Christ. That is your business. What is God's purpose for my life? Be like Christ. Be blameless. Be spotless. Live a life that is clean. Like Christ that's a spotless. And we see in 1 Peter 1.19. See, this is the practical result of the implantation of the Holy Spirit of the divine nature. This speaks that Peter spoke of in 2 Peter 1.4. When you receive the Holy Spirit, you receive the divine nature. And with that divine nature, the members of God's family in its grace and the fruitfulness that should be bearing in your life that we see in chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. This is not, I'll think about it. This is the expectation of your heavenly father as a child of God. This is not condemnation, my brothers and sisters, at all. He doesn't condemn us. I don't condemn. I'm saying all of us, including me, needs to desire to be more like Christ going in, looking forward into 2023. Cross the line. Step over it. It doesn't matter what happened in 2022. You can't change it. You just now learn from it and now step over and live like a child of God. And you haven't even opened up your mouth. God just, people can just see something's different about you. Because when the Spirit of God is fed, the Spirit of God will move in a mighty way and you will live and think differently than anybody around you. And yes, you'll think you feel out there different. You are different. Because <laughs> you're walking like God wants you to walk, and He's right there with you. And you'll have joy and peace that you're like, why is everyone else stressed out? I, I have such joy and peace. Why is, why is everyone stressed out around me? The long suffering of our Lord is salvation. Did you see that? Did you see that in verse 15? The long suffering of our Lord is salvation. It is easy for Christians to sometimes resent the long-suffering of God. After all, in some sense, it, it delays His coming. And so the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation for others, and it is salvation for us. Don't forget that. 2 Peter 3.15 ties this with verse 9, where Peter explained why the Lord had delayed fulfilling His promise. God had every reason long ago to judge the world. He had all the reason in the world to judge this world and burn it up a long time ago. But why did he not? Because of his mercy. Because of his love. He wanted this long-suffering to be that not willing that any should perish. Remember those words. He didn't want anyone to perish. But that all should come to repentance. This is the day of salvation. This is not the day of judgment. That will come. 
Now the world has time to repent, but this will not be so when the day of judgment comes. That will not, you will not have a time to be able to repent then. It'll be too late. But the Lord's patience and his goodness. Do you know what that does? Do you know the scripture? Do you know what that does? We see it in Romans 2.4. It leads toward repentance. The Lord's patience, his long-suffering, his, 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 his goodness leads people to repentance. Verse 16. As also in all his epistles. Here's Here's Peter talking about Paul and bringing Paul into this, which is an interesting little twist, I find, when you read his letter here. But he says, in all of his epistles, speaking into, in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction, as they do also the rest of the scripture. <clears throat> you, you, know this, you know the history with the two of them, right? Paul comes on the scene, and Peter's been kind of the leader and, uh, of, of the apostles. And, and Paul, God raises up and, and comes into, and we see in Galatians chapter 2, verses 11 through 21, if you want to go back and read it, talks about this moment where Peter and Paul meets in this public, and Peter had publicly compromised to try to appease, and Paul called him out on it. <laughs> Isn't that great when God uses a brother to kind of shine a light on something that you're compromising on? <laughs> you know how that feels. No different than, I'm sure, Peter. But we see here that many commentators, many people, critics, will kind of pin the typical thing, right? Pin people against each other. Such a, such a satanic thing. But people will try to sit there, the critic will say, oh, the Apostle Paul here is writing and really putting down Apostle uh, uh, Peter is putting down Apostle Paul, and they're not in agreement, and they're not in oneness, and all that. It goes on. I don't see that at all. The fact that he included him in his letter tells you. And then the fact that his, his language here is, is, is very tender and kind and actually promoting the fact that, that Paul, God is using Paul. Notice in this, at the very end of verse 16, he even includes and shows to us that Paul's letters are the Holy Scriptures. That it was inspired by God because he says right there that their own destruction as they do also the rest of the scriptures. Meaning all of Paul's is the same as part of the scripture. Just like his letters are part of the scripture. And so he's not in division whatsoever. He is saying Paul is God used Paul to declare some of these things that he's trying to warn his people about. That if you're not careful, people who don't know the word, they will use the scripture in a way to twist the scripture to be able to have their lifestyle that they want. They will use and twist the scripture so that they can then have people follow them because they've come up with something new. They leave out scripture. They take the scripture out of context and twist it. That's why it's a danger. You have to always, if you're going to listen to a sermon and it's just a little snippet, that 15-minute little snippet of, of preaching they're doing, and they're only giving you a verse, but they never even really talk about the verse, and they go off onto all these other things, please 
I don't recommend that it be a normal diet for you. But go back and check the full, be a Berean and check the whole context and make sure what they were teaching actually is in line in context with the scripture. That's your responsibility, you know that. Hello? You test all things I say. That's why I give you a lot of scripture. Some people go, Pastor, you give way too much scripture. Well, I want you to go back and do your own studies to validate everything I'm saying because it's coming from the scripture. Because I want you to be sure of what the word of God says so that you can then trust the word of God and it will cause you to to get into the word of God and devour it like food. That's what feeds your spirit. That's what helps you and I walk in the spirit and in truth so that you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That is how you get out of the fleshly things that you're dealing with. Be in the spirit of God and his truth and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That's the secret. That's, 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 I don't need a special program here to help you get out of drugs and alcohol and pornography or anything. I just need to get you in the word of God. And I need the spirit of God to reign in your life and you won't even have a desire for those things. It will just fade away. It's not, I don't need to give a program. Nine step, two step, dosi do step. I don't need that. I have one step. I need you to know Jesus more. I need you to be more like Christ. You will not desire those things. So you're not going to get programs here. When the spirit is moving, you don't need programs. When the spirit doesn't move, that's when you develop programs. You understand that? So I want to encourage you. Whatever you're challenged with, whatever you're looking forward to, understand some of these very simple things for you. Be in the word. Be in prayer. Develop. That's why we're studying. That's why we in the, in men's studies on Thursday nights. It's 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 radically changing men's lives. I'm hearing it from the guys. We studied how to study the scriptures, how to to, to study the the word. Now we're in how to pray. Then the next book we're doing together is how to the Holy Spirit. And those three, I think we're going to have a rev, just a movement in the men here, because there's a movement in the men of changed lives. It will change their families. It will change their workplaces and they'll change their children because they're to be spiritual leaders in the church and in their families. I want to encourage you, men, you come Thursday night regardless of how you feel. You've heard me say that many times, right? Keep showing up regardless of how you feel. You think that's trivial? It's not. Because every time I ask, oh, I haven't seen you in a while. I didn't feel. Oh, oh okay, yeah. Verse 16, as also in all of his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught, unstable people twist to their own destruction. Understand what happens when you start twisting the scriptures and you're not rightly dividing the word of God. Do you see what, the, what can result in? It can result in destruction. And as they do also the rest of the scripture, it's not just a little bit they do, they'll do the whole thing, whatever fits their, their fancy. But we have a warning here not to twist it, not to do it. You need to be a Berean, Acts, Acts 17, 11. You need to search the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so that there this is true that it lines up with the scripture scripture does not conflict with scripture if you think it does you're wrong god's not ever wrong never wrong and so when we look at these things peter is very firm here very firm 
The action of false teachers in twisting Paul's God-given writings here is this liberalism and rejecting of the second coming is so serious, it disqualifies him from salvation, he says. That's how serious he's saying it. It brings their destruction. Most heresies are the perversion of some fundamental doctrine of the Bible. Did you know that? It's 90%, 99% accurate. It's just that 1% that's going to cause you to go off track. That makes it false. We teach in the children's ministry. I, I still, I love using the analogy. Oh, you got the brownies? Oh, Pastor, I love brownies. You love brownies? Oh, it's just brownies. But there's dog poop in it. Just 1%. Looks good, smells good. Looks like brownies, smells like brownies. Eat up. <laughs> See, if I didn't tell you there's dog poop in it, you would you, you'd devour that thing. It's not until later when you're sick. You got some kind of disease. Then you say, what happened? That's why you have to be very careful. Because false teachers take verses out of context, twist the scriptures, manufacture doctrines that are contrary to the word of God. And never when you hear a doctrine, if it conflicts with the word of God, that is a false teacher, don't touch them. We must accept the teachings of the scriptures and not try to make them say what we want them to say. These are foundational things. But also note, Peter classified Paul's letters as scripture. Inspired word of God. Verse 17. You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked. Oh, he's warning them. This is the conclusion. You want to grow spiritually in 2023? Do you want to grow spiritually? Go deeper in your knowledge and understanding, yes, of God, but also to live it in life day to day. There's a lot of educated people. People can quote the Bible all the time, but their life does not reflect it. No fruit, no love, no changed life, no signs of fruitfulness, but they know the Bible. Be very careful. If you want to grow, he says right here, Therefore, beloved, he's very tender here. He's talking to you and I. Since you know these beforehand, you've known ahead, you've been warned. Beware. Beware. Why do you have to beware? Because they're out there everywhere. The internet makes it even worse than the days they were here. Because then preachers had to come into the place. Now people just go on every night, every morning, just flipping through, surfing the net. The net's going to catch you, you know? That's why they call it surfing the net. Hello? There's fisher, fishers out, fishermen out there, and they're not looking to, to uh, help you. They're looking to devour you. Watch the net. Because beware, lest you also fall. You get close to the edge, you're going to fall. From your own steadfastness. You've been so steadfast 
And I praise God that you're staying so steadfast in 2022. But don't be careful. Beware. We're being warned by the scripture, by the Holy Spirit today. Beware. Do not go away from your steadfastness. If you're sitting there today going, I am so laser focused on the word of God. So laser focused on my prayer life. So laser focused on going deeper and wanting to serve and to give and to be used by God. And then just to have God have his way to change me as a man, as a woman. I am so thankful for that God is doing a work in you in 2022. But be aware. Don't lose focus in this coming year. Looking forward to his return. Don't look forward away. Don't take your eyes off to Jesus. I know you've got the new job. Don't let your eyes take you off of Jesus. I know you've got this new adventure going to college or going here and doing this and having new babies and, and triplets and you're blessed more than you can imagine. But don't let that baby take your eyes off of Jesus. It should drive you to your knees. And <laughs> you need more of God to take and raise those babies. That's what he's saying here. Beware that you fall from your own steadfastness, being led away by who? By wickedness. It can be so subtle. Peter's readers, you and I, know the truth. They knew the truth. But he warned them that knowledge alone is not sufficient for protection. Just because you know the word does not protect you. You must stay connected in prayer with your Lord. You must commune with him, communicate with him. And you must stay within the fellowship of believers who are going to, God can use to help you. That's why you're, you're not to forsake the fellowship. Because God uses that to help you. But don't even think it's just about you. He wants to use you in the lives of other people who need help. How's that? Because I know you're mature. You've got it all together, I know. But let God use you in the lives of other people who are just getting saved. True Christians cannot fall from salvation and be lost. Understand that. But they can fall from their own steadfastness, from the, that establishment of the truth. We see in 2 Peter 1.12, you can start creeping away from the truths of God and start allowing things to come in that are just not right. It's not good. Your spirit's going off going, do, do, do. There's something not right here. But go back to the word and test all things. Because maybe you're being tested because you had wrong thinking. Now you can be right thinking because it's in the word. Just test all things. Stability for the Christian comes from his faith in the word of God. Do you let me say that again. Your stability of your faith, your Christian faith, is based on the Word of God. Not experiences. Don't be chasing experiences because if you get caught up in that religious moment of all is always based on an experience, watch out. Oh, you'll get the experiences and they will not be of God. Be very careful. But the Word of God is what keeps you foundationally solid. And then when you see these experiences that happen, you just test them by the, the, by the word of God and you know it's about God or not. His knowledge of that word, that is so important as a Christian, is the knowledge of the word and the ability to apply that word in practical decisions of life. It means just being discipled up. 
Verse 18, but grow. But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. This word grow, the verb grow is a present imperative here in the language. Which could render to be, be continually growing. Keep and understand, once you become a Christian, once you're born again, you must, the Spirit of God regenerates you, but you need the Spirit of God to help you to continue to grow. If you do not continue to feed, you're going to wither up and you'll just die. You're not going to be fruitful. You won't, you won't, the love of Christ, self-control, patience, all the fruit, right? That will not bear in your life. If you're not careful. But you do that in the grace and the knowledge. New believers need to be taught the basic doctrines of the word of God. But they must steadily continue to grow in constant experience of development. Being discipled up. Staying in the word of God. That's why believers are to grow in grace. Because you're not going to be perfect. You're not going to get it right all the time. You have to be, show grace to yourself and show grace to others. They're still learning. They're still growing. Allow God to do that work. Don't be hammering yourself and hammering others because they're not getting it perfect all the time. But they're, they're pursuing. They're trying. They're allowing this, the Spirit of God to transform them. God showed grace to you. Please show grace to other people. Be patient, long-suffering with people. If they're continuing to move in the direction of in the word and in prayer and in fellowship, show grace. Grace is not merely the way God draws us to him in the beginning of our regeneration, but it's also it's by grace he allows us to take this each day step by step deepening our relationship with him and the way we grow and stay in steadfastness. And what is the result of this? If we do this, what is the result? What is Peter saying? To him be the glory both now and and forever. Your life will bring glory to God. Let me ask you, does your life bring glory to God today? Does it? Let, let the Spirit speak to you here in a minute. Stop talking to yourself. Let the Spirit speak to you right now. Can you say your life brings glory to God. As we go to communion, as we come to the communion table, I need you to focus on that one question. Does my, does my life reflect glory to my Heavenly Father? Does it reflect a Christ-like heart and mindset? Do I desire more of Christ and less of me? As you ponder on these things, as we worship God, as, the, 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 as, the, as we worship God, as, as they lead us to worship in song, i rather you not sing. i rather you ask God and allow him to speak to you of those questions. And once he answers the question, 
If it means that you're not, you're not where you, you know you're not reflecting glory to God. Repent. At that moment, acknowledge in front of God and God alone that you need to repent and ask for forgiveness and look, looking forward to 2023 to be completely new life in Christ. You're not going to no longer be half-hearted. No longer playing in the world and playing in with this, this God thing. You're all in. Fully trusting in the Savior. And that will bring you what? It will bring you to worship Him. That's the result. 